Comfortable and confident is how Sam and Ash Injury Law clients feel after the very first call. Comfortable knowing they have decades of personal injury experience. Confident there is reputation and trust to resolve cases and do what's right. Sam and Ash Injury Law offers platinum level service to anyone who contacts them and wants legal advice. Quality matters. Integrity matters. Who you hire to protect and represent you matters. Sam and Ash Injury Law has worked hard to earn the trust of their clients. If you are currently speaking with another lawyer and not getting the care and direction needed, call Sam and Ash Injury Law today at 1-800-304-2000. Personalized service from beginning to end. Feel comfortable and confident. If you've been hurt in an accident, choose Sam and Ash Injury Law, 1-800-304-2000. That's 1-800-304-2000 or SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. It's time for Silver and Black Today Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Oh, yes. Back on the air in Las Vegas. How you doing? Yes, it is Scott Goldbranson. It is Mo Moten. Silver and Black Today game day that's right right back where it started mo as you know first of all mo how you doing this morning doing great you know it's almost game day when scott hits you with the wendy williams how you doing (laughs) see you caught that I, that was great. That. You got it. But I'm excited, Mo, because as you know, uh, we are back where it all started. So on an Odyssey station, of course, Dan Kearney here at Odyssey, Paul Eihander, our executive producer, Mark Bonilla, guys that I started Silver and Black today, our first radio show back on 1140 AM at the time was CBS Sports. Now it's 1140 The Bet here, our sister station. But now we're on the all new 98.5 The Fan, and it feels good to be back home. It feels be good to be back on the air with you, Mo, here on Sunday morning. I mean, listen, I know the Raiders don't play till tomorrow night, but it is finally NFL game day, man. Yeah, definitely. We got a taste on Thursday with Cowboys and Buccaneers. Now we get a full slate Sunday. And of course, the main event, Monday Night Football, Raiders-Ravens. Doesn't get any better than that, Scott. It doesn't. And I know Raider fans, how they feel about uh, Tom Brady. But again, Tommy terrific doing Tommy stuff, uh, even if we don't like it. Um, and he's 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 going to want to try at least to defend that Super Bowl championship. And it's going to be an interesting year. And we're going to talk about uh, lots of NFL action. Of course, we're focused here on the silver and black, the Las Vegas Raiders. And so we want to run that down. First, we're going to talk about, Mo, the first thing I want to do at the top of the show is talk about roster management. Of course, this week, everybody, even though the focus now is on tomorrow night's game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, the first time Raider Nation gets to see their team in the new stadium. Very exciting day. There's still a lot of talk about the Tanner Muse release from the holiday weekend from this past Monday. So we're going to talk about that, not just about that, but just about roster management in general for the Raiders because there's some questions there, Mo. We have to ask them. It's not being overly negative. It is the elephant in the middle of the room for a team that is in now uh, year four of the rebuild. So we're going to do that. Then we'll talk a little more about that in depth around talent evaluation, Mo, right? Because everyone misses on draft picks. But the Raiders seem to have missed on some key areas that they really needed to do. So we're going to get into that as well. We'll also coming up in the second segment. So after our first break, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk a little bit about the opponent. We're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, everybody knows Lamar Jackson. 
But how good is this team going to be in that really difficult and competitive now AFC North? We're going to have Clifton Brown, the longtime sports writer, formerly of the Indianapolis Star, Sporting News, and New York Times. He is now part of Ravens.com. He's going to tell us about this team, and Mo and I are going to talk to him about that as well. Then we're going to finish up the show kind of talking about what this game has in store for us. What do we need to look for? How is this Raiders offense going to do? What are some keys to that, including one Henry Ruggs III. Mo wrote a great piece up on VegasSportsToday.com about Henry Ruggs this week. We'll talk a little bit about that as well as that offensive line. And then we'll give you our game prediction uh, before we cut out of here and the NFL kicks off at the top of the hour at 10 a.m. Pacific time coming up after our show. So, Mo, we've set the stage a little bit, so let's dive in. Tanner Muse. Remember, I texted you last week that I didn't believe the hype. I texted you, and again, this is nothing against Tanner Muse. It was just a cutesy thing. You muse, you lose, right? And suddenly, we wake up on on the holiday weekend on this past Monday, and Tanner Muse has been released. And no, he wasn't signed to their practice squad. He signs in Seattle. So what do you make of this Tanner Muse release and the fact that, again, the second, third round draft pick from 2020 that did not... Uh, start a game for this team. First of all, I have to highlight you've been driving the Tanner Muse hate train. No hate. No, he's a good young guy. It's just, it's just a lot of hate. <laughs> I just never saw the fit. I just never saw. I just yeah, never saw it. You're right. And actually, I, I on on draft day, I also said, yeah, a little bit of a reach there. Maybe a lot of bit of a reach there. And once Mike Mayock said, yeah, Tanner Muse is gonna be a special teams war daddy and <laughs> learn all three linebacker positions. I kind of cringe because you don't want to spend a third round pick on a special teams guy. Now I know the hope was that he would learn all three linebacker positions to be able to fill in those spots. But again, if your first inclination of your third round pick is think you're thinking special teams, that's not a good sign. Of course, Tanner Muse had a toe injury his rookie year, so he didn't get to play. So that transition made it a lot harder during a, a COVID off season. Uh, where, where teams weren't able to practice as they normally would. So he had a rough start. He had an injury. But a lot of people just thought it was a reach anyway because of the transition. Uh, he's now with the Seattle Seahawks practice squad. Best of luck to him. But like you, I never saw it. In the big picture, it just looks bad on on the scorecard for Mayock and Gruden together on their draft card because now you have two third-round picks who didn't play a regular season snap for the Raiders on different teams. So again, not a good look, but uh, Brian Edwards, it's all on you to say that they're around from the 2020 draft. Yeah. And, and, and the thing with those two third round draft picks, of course, the other one being Lynn Bowden Jr. was, you know, I saw some Raider fans because they, 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 <laughs> some of the same fans who didn't like the Muse pick were then defending um, uh, the Muse pick. It was very strange, but nonetheless, <laughs> it, 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 they were saying, well, look, Lynn Bowden Jr. was released. He was, he was gone. He had troubles off the field. Well, there was never any troubles off the field. Field. We never saw them. If there were any, they they hit them better than anywhere else. And Las Vegas is not an easy place to hide trouble. And so I don't buy that. I think that was a team narrative uh, for a reason to cover up. They just got a guy that they couldn't use. So then now you have Muse, who people then made the excuse to Mimo that well he didn't they didn't give him a chance. I'm like, well, he had a chance. He had a complete right. training camp. He had a complete 
preseason where he saw a lot of action and his last game in the silver and black, he did not go well. He did not play that well. So listen, the, the, the thing is you're not going to hit on every draft pick, right? Mo, you're just not going to do it. You cover the NFL across the board. Every team has misses. The problem is when they bunch up and they bunch up in key positions that you've not been able to address over the course of four years, that's where they start to multiply. Absolutely. And here's the bigger problem. The whole point of drafting good players is such you don't have to spend so much in free agency. Think mm-hmm. about it. You get these rookies on on cheap deals. You have them until you, you know you have to pay them an extension. Usually their fourth or fifth year. If it's a if it's a if it's a pick after the first round, you know you wait to the third year. But because you now didn't hit on these picks, now you have to spend on veteran players who cost a lot more. Because I'm seeing the argument that. Well, it's basically we let Tanner Muse go a third-round pick to get KJ Wright. No. And to me, that's a that's a super spin of what happened. Oh, number yes. Because number one, like I said, now you have to spend the money on KJ Wright to bring him in because Tanner Muse didn't pan out. And the Raiders have been converting salaries into signing bonuses all week because they need the cap space. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that, and they have to bring in KJ Wright, and they have to bring other players. The problem with this is now that you spend all this money on KJ Wright, what if you need help in other areas? We all know the Raiders' offensive line has some question marks. What if you need a tackle? Exactly. Guard? Exactly. Now you, can't, now you have to minimize spending in other areas because you, you have to fill holes at linebacker, at whatever position you release that, that player you drafted in the third, fourth, second round. Yeah. It, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the proverbial finger in the hole in the dam, right? Which is like, okay, so you stick your finger in here and then another hole pops and you can stick another finger in here and it just keeps, it can, it can. I'm not saying it's going to. And for the Raiders' sake, Mo, by the way, I hope it doesn't. I hope they don't have to go get more offensive line. Everybody gets healthy and they perform really well. That would be the best thing that could happen to this team. But we know in the NFL, injuries and changes and things you never expect usually come up in the course of a season. And so they're going to have to do that. But that's the point. Like, yes, they got better at linebacker by going out and getting Perryman. They went out and got KJ Wright. Yes, especially KJ Wright. I think he's got a little more in the tank. I think Perryman's also an underrated um, linebacker for what he's able to do. But these are not guys who are going to be here in four years. I mean, let's face it. And so if that's the key, are you trying to build a champion? Or are you just trying to build a competitive team that can maybe make the playoffs? Because if you're going to build an uh, NFL champion, Mo, you have got to hit on the majority of your high round draft picks. I'm not saying everybody, but those guys, I don't care if they're just role. If Tanner Muse had come in here and made the team as a role player, as a guy who was a rotational linebacker, like a guy like Nicholas Morrow, who's worked his way up and gotten better, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, maybe it's still too high at the third round, but at least he's a contributor and he's going to be around for the course of his rookie contract. But we've seen time and time again that the Raiders have not been able to do that. Yeah, and that's what surprised me about the about the Raiders waving him is that even with the injuries at linebacker, they decided to go with veterans who've been coached by Gus Bradley before, and Tanner Muse couldn't even fill depth on, on in that unit. And people say, "Well, the linebacker unit has improved so much, so who is Tanner Muse going to beat out?" The problem, like I said, it goes back to my problem with the Raiders' roster management is that when you release these guys, then you have to spend the money to plug the hole, and it and it restricts you from maybe spending money to plug plug bigger holes elsewhere. So, again, you you just can't you can't put lipstick on a pig. It is what it is. 
<laughs> the Raiders the Raiders missed on two early round picks. You don't want to see that. It happens to every team. Yes, it does. But as you said, when it piles up, it's just not a good look. But we'll see how, how it pans out for the rest of that draft class. Again, the COVID offseason last year kind of threw teams for a loop, threw every team for a loop. But we're looking for improvement from those other players in that, in that, in that group. Again, you're here with Momo and Skakel Branson, Silver and Black today. Game day on this Sunday morning on 98.5, the fan here in Las Vegas. And Mo, I got, and I, well, I want to say one thing to Raider Nation. We are going to talk. <laughs> We're going to look ahead. We're going to look more positive. We're just getting this out of the way because it needs to be. It needs to be discussed. But Mo, you, you talk. Off your chest. Yeah, exactly. You got to get it off your chest and just talk about it because this was a very eventful week. But if you look at this too, you talked about roster management. We still don't know fully. You know, we, there was talk all week about Josh Jacobs and his health because he didn't practice till later in the week. Um, and that was, we were told he was practicing later in the week, but we don't know how healthy he is. He's had an issue in the past, which gives you some pause. We know Richie Incognito continues to struggle. God bless him because of age. I'm getting older too. So I understand his predicament, except that I get hurt getting out of a chair. Um, and, and so, so you, you look at that roster management, it makes it even more important because depth is such an issue. But also, Mo, before we move on from this subject, we have to talk about talent evaluation, not only in the draft, but because again, everybody misses on picks. The recent misses, we just talked about Tanner Muse, uh, Lynn Bowen Jr. It's over with you move forward. Okay, fine. But how has that impacted the team in 2021? You look at what happened to your point, they had to go out and spend the money on KJ, right? They had to spend the money on Denzel Perryman. Uh, so, so they did that. But then you look at other moves they made over the last couple of years. They missed on Vontez Perfect. Is there any question that they missed on him? Just he couldn't stay on the field, number one, because of suspensions and all that. But he just never really was a player that was going to make a huge difference. They've had no focus on linebacker high in the draft. Then you add in the the wayward moves of trying to get Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Tyrell Williams, who I know was injury-related, and then, of course, John Brown this year. These decisions, Mo, people can look at them and say, okay, well, yeah, it's a bad decision, but then we went out and we got this guy. That's true, but overall, there's a ripple effect. Definitely a ripple effect. It. I didn't want to downplay the John Brown move simply because I felt like he was on the he was on the cutting room floor anyway. Yeah. But now when you look at the Raiders having to convert all these salaries into signing bonuses to get some cap space, you look at the John Brown three point two million in dead cap and you're like, man, that that hurt a little bit now when right. you're looking at it. And like I said, when you go into the season you wanna have some cap space because every year you're going to deal with injuries. You're not gonna avoid that. So you wanna have cap space available just in case you have to fill some holes. I know the Raiders have worked out some uh, running backs this week over the past week. I believe Carry on Johnson, Deontay Foreman, which may tell you a little bit about Josh Jacobs, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you- as I said, you have to have that cast base available just in case, and you don't want to have to go into the season with a squeeze there and the Raiders having to fill holes, having to pay K.J. Wright, because I remember K.J. Wright was on with Jim Roman. He said he didn't want to take a hometown discount to stay in Seattle. He was waiting for that contract. He's waiting for the best deal to come on the table, and I guess the Raiders gave it to him because they needed it because of the injury. So he essentially got what he wanted. The... the, the Catch twenty two is now they have to pay him. Yep. And, and and I know it's not gonna hurt the Raiders right now because they're basically adding void years at the back end of contracts. But, you know, let's hope that this doesn't happen. But if you know, if somebody like Colton Miller goes down, Darren Waller goes down, 
what happens, who do they bring in, and mm-hmm. at what cost. No doubt. That's that's the ripple effect I'm talking about, and it's something that the Raiders are going to have to deal with as they move through the season and you have the pains of the season. Guys go down, and that's just the way it is. Hopefully not too many for the Raiders in 2021, but there's a good chance they're going to need some of them. All right, we're coming up against the first break. Again, want to remind you, the show will air every Sunday here on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas from 9 to 10 a.m., so we're your official kickoff show for NFL Sunday. You can follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, M-O-T-O-N, excuse me, Mo Moten, and I am at L-V Gully. You can follow the show, SNB Tonight, on Twitter as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk Ravens football with the great Clifton Brown from Ravens.com. You're listening to Silver and Black Today Game Day on 98.5 The Fan. Hey, Raider Nation, are you looking for an independent news source covering the Raiders in Las Vegas? Check out the only site that's been doing it for the past four years, VegasSportsToday.com. With in-depth daily coverage of the Raiders and news and opinions from a stable of talented writers, VegasSportsToday.com is your independent source for news out of the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, and by the way, we cover all Vegas sports, including boxing, UFC, esports, and the hottest ticket in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights. Get on your phone now. Now and check out VegasSportsToday.com, your independent source for Raiders news. No corporate BS, just pure Raider Nation. That's VegasSportsToday.com. Silver and Black Today, game day is on. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today here on 98.5 Fan Las Vegas. I'm Maurice Moten here with Scott Cabrantz and my buddy. And now joining us, we're going to have some insight on the Baltimore Ravens from longtime NFL writer Clifton Brown of Ravens.com. Let's just jump right in with Clifton right away and just talk Ravens Raiders. Hey, Clifton, Mo Moten jumping in here. Uh, you mentioned the two rookie wide receivers. Ravens also signed Sammy Watkins, as you already know. But I'm just wondering, at, despite a spectacular 2019 MVP season throwing 36 touchdown passes, does Lamar Jackson feel pressure to balance this offense with a more consistent passing attack? And do the Ravens prefer he run less as he, as he continues with his career? I would probably say, you know, long term as his career goes, they would prefer if he ran less. But Lamar's been a thousand yard rusher the last two years. To me, you know, he's the greatest running quarterback the league has ever seen. It would be foolish not to have that as part of your offense. So the Ravens uh, are going to let Lamar do what he does. Every year they want him to be better in the pocket and be more accurate as a passer but they don't want to take away the special gifts that he has. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to see him be continue to be a dual-threat quarterback. And, you know, uh, there's so much that seems to be more debate about Lamar than any quarterback playing. I mean, he's already been the MVP uh, three years in his, <laughs> into his career. His regular season record is 30-7. and seven. You know, you heard about him not winning a playoff game, then he's won one last year. Now they're saying, well, you know, can he win a Super Bowl? You know, I've watched these other quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, you know, Drew Brees, take a long time, Hall of Famers to win Super Bowls. So the, the man is 24 years old. Uh, I think that almost any team in the league would be happy to have him that doesn't have an established quarterback. Just let Lamar, let his career develop, and hopefully he'll continue to improve every year. 
Hey, Clifton, Scott again here. And of course, the, the Ravens made news uh, this past week with Mark Andrews giving him that new deal and tying him up uh, a good birthday present for him. But staying on the offensive side of the ball, running back, of course, J.K. Dobbins, the horrible injury, the knee injury during the preseasons. Justice Hill, of course, then again. So that leaves you with Gus Edwards and some other guys behind him. You signed Le'Veon Bell to the practice squad. Um, how are they feeling about what they're going to do? Is there still some moves to be made for this team uh, at the running back position are they do they feel pretty good about under the circumstances where they're at heading into Monday night yeah I think you said it the right way under the circumstances I think they feel pretty good I mean they have a lot of confidence in Gus Edwards uh, he's always delivered whenever they need him so him taking over as the number one running back particularly the way they play you know pounding it inside with Lamar's threat to run, Gus is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, now, of course, you know, if anything happens to him, the depth is no longer there. I mean, J.K. Dobbins is going Justice Hill, who was going to be the number three running back. He's done for the year as well. So now you have Tyson Williams as the number two back. You know, he's a guy that, you know, a lot of people may find out about this year. He looked really good last year, and the Ravens had him on the practice squad. This year, he was going to make the team anyway, even before Dobbins' injury. And now he's the number two back. So Edwards and Williams, they like as a nice one-two com- combo. And then Le'Veon Bell is interesting. I mean, we all know what he used to be and that he's not that guy anymore. But on a team like the Ravens that doesn't need him to carry the ball 20 times a game, that loves to run the football, maybe Bell finds a little bit of juice as a guy, you know, can carry it, you know, seven to ten times a game and help you. Plus, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So, the Ravens' running game is going to be fine, I think. Losing Dobbins was a tremendous blow. But on this team, because they have so much depth in that position and they have Lamar as the quarterback, I think they'll still be able to run it pretty well. Clifton Brown of Ravens.com joins us to talk about uh, the Raiders' opponent here on Monday night. And Clifton, when you look at the offense, one more question on that, because the offensive line had some turnover. Of course, you traded Pro Bowler Orlando Brown to the Chiefs. You signed former longtime Steeler Alejandro Villanueva. Um, How does that line look? Because you went out and and you turned uh, that trade into a draft pick as well for some from edge players on the defense. Uh, What are you looking at that offensive line? How confident are they of that? unit uh, and what it needs to do to let Lamar do his thing and to also improve on that passing game. Yeah, you finally asked the question that I think is the biggest question for the Ravens this year. Uh, their offensive line. Hmm. Uh, the way they play, the way they want to run the football, and as you mentioned, with Lamar as your quarterback, wanting to protect him, I think that's the key to their season. They're starting four players on the offensive line at different positions than last year. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, who's also coming off ankle surgery, they're all for left tackle. He's the only guy returning from last year's starting offensive line at the same spot. They moved Bradley Bozer from left guard to center. He's now the starting center. They're going to have a new starting left guard, which they haven't even said exactly who that's going to be. They brought in Bill LaWave to play right tackle. They brought in Kevin Zeitler to play right guard. So, again, they're going to have four new starters on the offensive line. Um, that's the key to the Ravens. If that unit gels, which it could, particularly when you've got two vets like Zeitler and Bill in the waiver, then I think the Ravens, you know, they're definitely Super Bowl contenders. If they struggle along the offensive line, then getting out of the AFC, to me, is going to be extremely difficult. So, you know, their defense to me, they have a lot of depth. So the entire roster is deep. 
as long as Lamar stays healthy, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where the Ravens don't make the playoffs. But to get to a Super Bowl, you know, they're going to need their offensive line to play well. And in those, you know, January games where they have to be able to run the football a little bit to take pressure off Lamar, they're going to need to be able to do that against the very best team. All great points in that offensive line. I just want to switch over to the other side of the ball on the defensive side. Ravens are very heavy on the bleep. On the blitz, according to my notes, 44.1% of dropbacks they blitzed the opponents last season. So pressure could come from anywhere on this defensive front. But I like just want to know how is Justin Houston fitting in, and how is rookie first rounder Dafe Owe coming along? Yeah, well, Dafe Owe, they like him a lot. I mean, obviously, he's a gifted athlete. You know, when you look at the guy, you know, he just loses athleticism. I think he's going to be a really good football player, and I think that. You know, so far, it looks like he's picking things up pretty fast. So this year, I think always going to be a situational pass rusher at worst who's going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. You know, they get Derek Carr third long Monday night. You know, look for always coming off the edge. Same with Houston. I mean, we know Houston's a proven pass rusher. In this system where the Ravens, you mentioned, blitz a lot, it's not going to fall on Houston to be the guy, to be what he was in his prime, you know, getting a dozen sacks a year. But I think it's situational, pass rushing situations. Houston's going to help them a lot. And he's also been great for Oway and Dalen Hayes, another edge rusher who they drafted out of Michigan. He's been a great mentor to both of those guys. A, a real common scene after practice during training camp with Houston, staying after practice, working with those two young guys, giving them tips as pass rushers. So who better to learn from if you're one of those two guys than Justin Houston, who I think still got some stuff in the tank. So the Ravens are going to be able to pressure you, I think, you know, with their pass rush. Their quarters, you know, Humphrey and Peters are tremendous. So, yeah, their defense is solid. Um, and, yeah, I think that their pass rush is going to be just fine, even though they lost two nines. And Nathan Godwin, who's playing for Raiders, Yep. Yeah, actually, absolutely. Clifton Brown from Ravens.com is our guest here on Silver and Black today, game day. And Clifton, you just mentioned somebody I want to talk about, or a couple guys I want to talk about too, which is those cornerbacks, all pros, Marlon Humphrey, and of course, Marcus Peters. And you talk about what the Ravens have been able to do up front on defense, having those guys back in the defensive backfield at cornerback there, boy, I mean, not only do they make it uh, easier for those guys up front to be able to put on that pass rush because they they hold on the bat. The, the, the backside of the defense so well, but they're also strong with takeaways. I mean, I think that's been an issue for the Raiders here in Las Vegas, uh, and something I'm going to be watching in this game on Monday night is how Humphrey and Peters uh, really show some looks there and help that defense out, but how much does that meant to the Ravens' defense to have those two guys just holding it down back there? Oh, no question. I mean, that's the way the game is headed now. Everybody throws the football so much. To me, to be a really good defensive team, you've got to have corners, guys who can cover these wide receivers. And, you know, they have two of the best in Peters and Humphrey. And as you mentioned, not only are they good in coverage, they take the ball away. The Derek Stars going to have to be careful with the football Monday night. I mean, uh, they, they probably will move the football okay at times for sure, but there's all, you're always a potential mistake away from the Ravens taking the ball from you. So, yeah, I mean – their defense, to me, you know, has been built from the back forward with the Ravens. They used to build it from the front to the back. 
they kind of changed with the times. And now, you know, they, they've got a strong secondary, Jimmy Smith. I mean, we talked about him. He's still back there with them. He came back to practice this week. Looks like he may play week one. Uh, they've got a real good nickel corner, Tavon Young, who's coming back after missing last season. So they've got corner after corner after corner to match up with the Raiders wide receivers. Wall is always a difficult, difficult matchup for anybody. But, yeah, I think that the Ravens, there's going to be challenge for Carr, not only to play well, but to make sure, you know, they don't take the ball away two or three times. Because usually when that happens, no matter how much you move the ball, you don't win the game. Yeah, I'm looking for it to be a big key of the game, too, and, I, and I'm glad you agree on that. There you go. Clifton Brown giving you all you need to know about the Ravens coming into Las Vegas on Monday night. Clifton, have a great season. Stay safe, and we appreciate you spending the time today. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys have a great season as well. Wow, what a great interview, Mo. I mean, uh, Clifton Brown, of course, longtime NFL writer. But, you know, we we hit on a lot of the things that are important there. And and ironically, the Ravens' big issue is an, a big issue we, you and I believe, for the Raiders, and that's offensive line. Yes, I was getting ready to say that. I was going to say, did you hear what he said about the <laughs> offensive line? I think this is a game where Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby can have a big game. And I talked about the Raiders' defense being much improved, and I think it starts up front with those two guys. And I think if they can attack that new Ravens offensive line, the Raiders can have a good chance of winning this game. No doubt. And and I look at it, too, as the fact that, look, if you have to make, if you make Lamar Jackson beat you with his legs, he can do it because he's such a, a great athlete and, and a great running quarterback. But with their focus on trying to, as I said to, to Clifton earlier, trying to get that, that passing game going, which was terrible last year, uh, they don't want to do that. They want to have the mix, right? You have to have the right mix. So if the Raiders are forcing him out of the pocket, uh, that's where you hope that the Raiders now revamped linebacking core with K.J. Wright, with Corey Littleton, uh, with Denzel Perryman. Those guys are able to stop him. Either way, it's a challenge, Mill, right? But it's good to hear from someone who covers the Ravens to to know that that weakness is, is now what's appearing to be at least a much better unit and that Raiders defensive front. The other thing to look at is as... The scouting report on Lamar Jackson. He likes to throw in the seams by the hashes, not not too much outside the numbers. So he's going to be relying on Mark Andrews, as you mentioned, their tight end who just got paid. I'm going to be looking at Corey Littleton to match up with him and then mm-hmm. safety, rookie safety Trayvon Merrick over the top. If they can bracket him or take him out of the game, again, I think that, that Raiders defense is going to look pretty good on Monday night. It's going to make fans very, very happy with Gus Bradley. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and when you look at that Ravens team, Mo, because you you have a much wider view of the NFL than most of us because you cover the entire league. But when you look at what what they're doing and what they're able to do, their strengths, they they went out, you know, they've they've had some fallback, right? They 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 didn't perform in the playoffs primarily because of their offense. But their defense started to age a little bit. Uh Unique Ngakwe's obviously with the Raiders, he was there last year. But they've been able to really be good over the years about plugging and playing and, and and filling in gaps when they lose players and their roster management, their ability to go out and get talent that fits their system has been pretty stellar, hasn't it? Absolutely, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Clifton mentioned getting takeaways, which is something the Raiders fans want to see their defense uh, get in, in the game and games throughout the season. But they've done a good job of fitting players to their scheme and developing talent. 
So I, I don't expect anything less, even though they have a lot of turnover on the, on the offensive line, on, on the on defense, on the edge. We talked about Justin Houston fitting in. We talked about Dafi Owe. Uh, those guys could be factors, but with with the Raiders' offense being together, John Gruden and Derek Carr being joined at the hip, now going into their fourth year, I expect Derek Carr to be able to find holes in that defense. No doubt about it. And I talked about, too, uh, that that tandem of cornerbacks, right, which is Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Uh, Derek Carr is going to have to watch himself, uh, and and he's going to have to make sure he doesn't turn the ball over because those guys are turnover machines. I mean, you look at um, uh, both those guys with four interceptions uh, on the season uh, in 2020 uh, together in, in games, and, and it's amazing that if you look at 31 interceptions from Marcus Peters, the most in the NFL since 2015, uh, and he can run it back too. His last one was a 50-yard interception uh, for a touchdown against the Raiders in 2018. So, so you look at that defense on the back end too. The Raiders are going to be looking to unleash that passing game using Henry Ruggs appropriately, as you said in your piece on VegasSportsToday.com this week. Um, how much of a challenge is that going to be for Derek Carr, especially with an offensive line he doesn't know yet? It's a big challenge, but I think. It's something that the Raiders can pick apart as far as the Ravens defense and how they and how Wink Martindale uses that front. As I mentioned to Clifton, they they blitz a lot and they blitz heavy. They're the, they're, they were the heaviest blitzing team last season. So what that means is you're going to have to neutralize their pass rushes, get the ball out quick. And as you mentioned, as I mentioned in my piece with Henry Ruggs, you can use Ruggs as a quick outlet. Give him a curl route, comeback route, a toss to the flat. A shallow crosser get the ball up quickly and he can turn a 10 yarder into a 20 yarder that quick so i think the Raiders have the have the tools to poke holes in that defense but they just have to use henry ruggs properly don't forget Kenyon drake also a pass catcher out of the backfield who can get those hitch routes yes it's going to be interesting to see what sort of looks the baltimore ravens give the las vegas raiders here in las vegas on sunday night excuse me monday night out in allegiant stadium okay it's time for a break when we come back we're going to talk about the game monday night we're going to talk about the experience out at allegiant stadium and the rest of the story for big monday night football with the raiders raider nation is pumped up ready to go so are we here on silver and black today game day only on 98.5 the fan las vegas don't go anywhere The nation rallies every week of the NFL season. It's silver and black today, game day. How excited are you, Raider Nation? Are you here in Las Vegas? Did you make the trip up? from Los Angeles? Did you fly down from the Bay Area? Did you come from Pennsylvania? Did you come from Rochester, New York, like our buddies with the Rochester Raider Nation fan club? Did you come from Utah, Southern Utah? A lot of fans coming down from Southern Utah. Did you come from Arizona? Where did you come from, Raider Nation? Let us hear that. 
just tweet at us. Tweet at Mo at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB tonight, even though we're today game day. That's okay. It's confusing sometimes, but we'll, we'll guide you through it. We won't leave you alone, Raider Nation. But nonetheless, people, Mo, they're flocking to Vegas. They finally get to see the Death Star. I like to call it the Big Al, but they call it the Death Star, so I, I lost on that one. But nonetheless, everybody's pouring into Vegas for this game tomorrow night. It's Of course, it's a Monday night game, so you get to come for the full weekend plus a day and then lie to your boss on Tuesday that you're sick. So <laughs> um, it's a big game night, and you know, Mo, that in Vegas, everything is done big time, so they're not going to spare any expense with this Raiders game, uh, but the excitement is building. It's going to be a lot of pent-up excitement and energy for this Raider Nation coming into Allegiant tomorrow night, isn't it? Finally, the Raiders get to play in front of their home fans in the brand new stadium. Now, it was great when they played the Saints last year, but, you know, the attendance, no no attendance there. But this time, you get people watching you, you get a little excitement. As we know, athletes, when you have an audience, it just, it just adds the extra juice. It gets the adrenaline pumping, and I'm excited to watch the game. Fans, if you're at the game, especially if you're from New York City, tweet at me at Momo and send pictures. I want to see pictures. Yeah, pictures, exactly. We we need we need the memories because this is this is a seminal moment and I think I think everyone needs to share uh, the excitement that they're going to experience at Legion Stadium. No doubt about it. And uh, you can read about the game and the coverage at VegasSportsToday.com. Of course, the show is brought to you by VegasSportsToday.com, where you can read Mo, you can read me. Kirk Kern, our Raiders editor, will be out at the game, as will my partner on the website, Mike Dixon, who's a gifted photographer. So he'll be out there shooting pictures as well. He's going to get a lot of fan shots. So if you see Mike in his Vegas Sports Today polo shirt take his wallet first no i'm just kidding um (laughs) say hello to him he'll get some great fan shots of you but we want to see i mean i think it's going to be nuts out there mo and you're right about that extra juice that you get in front of a home crowd which teams didn't have last year sometimes that's the i really do believe i have no statistics to support this so you'll probably hammer me for it but i really do believe that that sometimes gets you over the hump and you win a game that's very close Absolutely. And Derek Carr, I think, was saying that, you know, the reason we, we didn't do so well at home is because we didn't have the fans in attendance. You know, there might be something to that. Who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to wait and see how that pans out. I'm sure they'll be a lot better at home this year than they were last year. But, I, I mean, I watched the NBA in the bubble, and a lot of players said that they it was hard for them, even in the playoffs, to get up for certain games without the fans in attendance. So the fans do matter. The fans do add to the game. The, the fans are part of the game. And I'm, I'm just excited to see um, all the things that are going to happen. Of course, you said Mike Dixon is going to be in attendance. He's going to be snapping a bunch of photos. And I'm sure <laughs> we're going to get some costumes and smiles and all types of things on Monday night. Yeah, and, and attractive females, too. He will definitely capture them. He tends to do that very well. He does modeling. He's got a lot of clients, too, on the side. No, he does. He does professional modeling photographs, too. So uh, women understand, and, and guys, too, they understand that Mike knows how to make them look good. So make sure you check out the website, VegasSportsToday.com, on, tomorrow night on game night, because you'll start seeing some pictures go up there, as well as our social handles uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, by the way, game time tomorrow night here in Las Vegas, September 13th. Shout out to my recently deceased father it is his birthday 8 15 p.m eastern 5 15 p.m pacific a time allegiant stadium get there early and have a good time it'll of course be on espn and abc 
Monday Night Football, Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick, and Lisa Salters on the field. You can hear it nationally on radio, Westwood One, here on Odyssey as well with my man Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner. I love them as a broadcast team. So it's going to be a big deal. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be some entertainment surprises, uh, and there's going to be a lot of fireworks, both literally and I'm sure on the field. This is a, a good matchup that I think most of the country is excited to see, especially since it's in the entertainment capital of the world. That, of course, is Las Vegas. Some of the entertainment, Mo, that people I know are looking forward to seeing and want to see is on the field uh, in the player of a one Mr. Henry Ruggs III, number 11 for the Raiders. Of course, the second-year wide receiver who had high expectations last year uh, and fell short of those in some eyes, uh, not in mine necessarily, but definitely was not what people thought he would be last year. Not that he didn't contribute, but you wrote a piece on this up on VegasSportsToday.com this week, uh, and I want to talk about it because I've always said this, and I said this going back to last year when I was on the air with Q Myers, and that was that, look, Ruggs does other things, but watching the games in person last year at Allegiant Stadium in the empty house, uh, I saw so many times where I felt like Henry Ruggs was not used correctly, that he wasn't given the opportunity. His quarterback didn't trust him. His coach didn't scheme for him necessarily, or the quarterback always went away from him in certain times. Uh, and so to me, that is part of the equation. Yes, he bulked up. You saw in Mo's story, he bulked up. He's he's worked out. He's done his route tree. He's done a lot of different things to improve. But Mo, talk about that piece you wrote and kind of the gist of the point you want to make about what Henry Ruggs could do in year two to sort of change those minds. So I want to start off by giving John Gruden a bit of a pass mm-hmm. because Henry Ruggs did get banged up in that season opener against the Carolina Panthers. He had a low That's fair. injury. So there may be an issue where Gruden didn't trust him uh, to deliver at optimal levels because he was nicked up. He did miss three games early in the season. He was basically a, a decoy when he did play early. But this year, now that Henry Ruggs is healthy, bulked up, as you said, worked on his route tree, worked on getting his, keeping his feet in bounds. I think the Raiders need to up his value and also, again, use him properly. And that doesn't mean throwing a deep ball to him three times a game and hoping that you, you draw a pass interference or he climbs up the ladder and, and brings down a, a, a big play. But use him on slants, shallow crossers, as I said, throws to the flat, comeback route, uh, hitches, curls. Get him the ball in space because he can outrun defenders. He he doesn't run a four two seven speed just to just to stand outside and 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 run deep balls and run go routes. So I think the Raiders, John Gruden specifically, just needs to scheme a lot better, design plays where you can isolate him on on a defender, one on one situations. He's tough to bring down once he gets the ball in his hands, and you could throw a short pass to him. He could take it to the house, and I think the Raiders can benefit from that, especially against the Ravens, blitzing defense. Toss the ball to Ruggs, goes quick, burns the linebacker, burns the safety, scores a touchdown. It's not hard. I mean, it is hard because you're playing a lot of defense, but I'm (laughs) saying that the difficulty of the completion is a lot easier than a long ball going 40 yards down the sideline. Yes, and 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 in your piece you talked about that extensively and I actually referenced too we were we were having a conversation with somebody online and going back to pre-draft, I wrote about that too where I took some heat charts from PFF and I showed that in college look, you yes he has that blinding speed, there's no question, but he's much better when you get him the ball and let him uh, beat people, let him get into some open space. Base. And that's why I couldn't understand where people always wanted him to go over the top. Because if you look at his reception, 
exceptions in college, there were much more intermediate routes and short routes where he was able to create because speed does kill. So you get him in a one-on-one situation with most people. Now there's some talented guys out there in the NFL who could play to him. Nonetheless, you get him the ball in some space and he can make things happen. Right. And I I have a theory. I think, and I'm not saying John Gruden fell into this trap, but I think a lot of fans, a lot of draft analysts fell into this trap comparing him to Tyreek Hill. And I thought, yeah, the speed wise, they're both pretty fast wide receivers. But Tyreek Hill, as we see, is one of the probably one of the best deep threats in the league right now. That's not Henry Ruggs' forte. If you watched him at Alabama, as you just mentioned, a lot of his receptions came 10 to 15 yards downfield, not 20 to 25. Right. That's not his strong suit. Don't try to fit him into a Tyreek Hill. I know the Raiders, a lot of people have said the Raiders got their version of Tyreek Hill and Henry Ruggs. I think you let Tyreek Hill be Tyreek Hill, who he is, a deep threat now with the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes who has a big arm. But you let Ruggs be Ruggs. And I think Ruggs fits with the Raiders offense because Derek Carr, yes, he throws those checkdowns that makes people go nuts. But with Ruggs, <laughs> he can get away with those checkdowns because those checkdowns could become big plays because of Ruggs' speed. And I think Raiders need to use him, as I said, same as he was used in Alabama. And I think he'll be more effective. His numbers will be a lot better. I actually think Ruggs is going to eclipse 1,000 yards this year if the Raiders use him properly. Oh, absolutely. And, and to me, I, I think you think about what this defense or what a defense has to do with Henry Ruggs. And we saw it last year. They have to respect his speed. So they give him room. That does, to your point. So that doesn't mean Henry Ruggs runs an out down the sideline and has a foot race with a guy, even though he can beat him. The chances of completing a 35 yard pass versus getting him out, get a quick slant where he's got a seven yard cushion, <laughs> right? Get him the ball quickly to where he can make moves in the open field. That that's the magic. And I think you're right. I think he will have a great year. Now, I am biased. I always admit it because I love Henry Ruggs. I advocated for Henry Ruggs to be the draft pick for the Raiders in that spot. And I do believe that he has done it. I think you saw a kid mature as well. You're right. He was banged up last year, but you saw what he did in the offseason. He went home. He bulked up. He bulked up not enough to make it interfere with his speed or his agility, but he bulked up because he knew he had to be more durable. To me, Mo, the signs of maturity in watching this, the press conference and watching him in preseason and in training camp is really, really impressive for a young guy. As the young kids out here say, the Alabama football players are built different. They just are. They just have mm-hmm. a different mentality when it comes to the NFL. I, I believe they have a pro mentality, and that's why so many of them are successful. Which is also why I think Alex Leatherwood is going to be pretty good, but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> but I think with with Henry Ruggs, it, it just comes down. I, he did the work during the offseason, but now Gruden and Carr have to meet him halfway and design plays and target him in situations where he can win. And I think I think that's available for him if they if they just tweak the variety, just give him a variety of routes that he can now run, supposedly because Derek Carr said that, I don't know what this means, but he said that, Henry Ruggs runs violent routes now. I guess that means he makes sharp cuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he he doesn't he doesn't slack off even when he's not getting the ball. He's pretty you know you, you can't really tell if he's going to get the ball or not based on him come off the line of scrimmage. But I think with his improvements, the Raiders now will be a lot better 
but getting him the ball, getting him higher value, and getting him more yards and touchdowns. No doubt about it. I'm looking forward to watching him and him progressing as the season moves along. Mo, before we get to our game predictions uh, and get out of here so we can watch the, the kickoff of the first NFL Sunday, and I know you have like hours worth of work to do today, but um, when we before we do that, the offensive line, this will be the first time. we've t- You and I have been talking about it for weeks. By the way, we also have another radio show down in Southern California, which you can listen to on Friday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific on the Mightier 1090, so make sure you check that out. But on that show, Mo, we talked this week and last week a lot about this Raiders offensive line. You have some veterans coming back. You have Colton Miller. You have some of these guys, Denzel Good, that are going to fill in. Richie Incognito, again, injury bug at his age. It's just very tough for him to stay on the field. So this is going to be the first time, and they're going up in this first game, Mo, against a challenging defense, both up front and on the back end as well. Um, we're going to see to, to uh, on Monday night, we're going to see really where this offensive line is and how far they may be from being a really cohesive unit. Definitely both offensive lines are going to be tested. On the Raiders side, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe are the two guys to watch. As we talked about with Clifton Brown, with, them, with the Ravens blitzing, Pressure could come from anywhere. So that means Andre James has to be prepared. Denzel Good has to be prepared. John Simpson is going to step in. He has to be prepared. Alex Leatherwood, who is probably a stronger run blocker than pass blocker, he has to be prepared because if that po- if that pocket collapses, Carr is going to be under duress all night, and that could lead to disaster. So, you know, if you have some short outlets for Ruggs and, and, and Drake, you get, you get the ball out early. You can kind of neutralize what the Ravens are doing. And you can protect your offensive line that's still trying to gel early in the season. Yep, that's what I'm going to be focusing on, focusing on that offensive line. And then, of course, watching that defense. Everybody's excited to watch the improved defense. Okay, before we get out of here today, Mo, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about game predictions. You look at the Raiders, a a five-and-a-half-point underdog at most places around Las Vegas. Um, When you look at this game, you look at the Ravens, where they're at, where the Raiders are at, who you got, and um, will the Raiders cover as underdog oh man put me on the spot early already first show <laughs> uh i'll say this i i would i would take the raiders on the line i, I think they covered the spread i believe they just said four and a half points given the ravens four and a half i i look at this game kind of how i look at as i mentioned earlier in the show the saints uh game at home last year yeah. i think the Raiders are going to have a lot of energy i you know most of the money is going to go to the Ravens, but I think the Ravens, the Raiders, are going to put to, put together a good game, have a competitive matchup. I think it's a field goal either way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game even went into overtime. But I have the Raiders going down their home opener 27-24. I understand you guys are going to be upset about that. <laughs> throw tomatoes, throw onions at me if you want. But if I'm calling the game as an objective writer, I'm taking the Ravens 27-24. Yeah, on the betting line, I would take the Raiders, and I did um, at five and a half, actually. So so I, I, I like the Raiders. I like this as a close game. I think that just if you look at as long as that Baltimore offensive line on Monday night holds up pretty strongly, um, I think you'll see a great performance out of the Raiders. I just like Baltimore by a field goal late, but it could go the other way too. So, so I'm going to hedge it and I'm going to say that it's going to be a 24, 21 game, not as high scoring as everybody says. I think the defenses are both going to play well in front of that crazy crowd out at Allegiant stadium. Uh, but I am also going with the Ravens. I hope I'm wrong, uh, but that's the way we both see it. All right, Mo back on the air in Las Vegas. This was fun, man. The first show in the books, with the game coming up. <laughs> 
absolutely fun. I hope you guys will come back and we'll talk positively. Maybe me and Scott are both wrong about this prediction. Yeah, maybe a win. See? You, you guys can say see? You guys on the radio do not know what the hell you're talking about. Raiders won. They go into the playoffs this year, you guys. Have your free shots at us if they win. There you go. No, we will. We will take it gladly uh, here on Silver and Black today. Game day on 98.5 The Fan. For Mo Moat, and I am Scott Colbranson. Remember, follow the website VegasSportsToday.com. You can read the latest Raiders news there. Follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, Mo Moten. Follow me at L.P. Gully and the show at S-N-B tonight. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to this show if you miss it up on the Odyssey app as well as our podcast feed where you can also hear our California show from Friday night, 6 to 7 p.m. That is Silver and Black tonight on the Mighty 1090, so check that out as well. All right, so we are out of here for Mo. I am Scott Colbranson, and for our executive producer, Mark Mia. Take care, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you next week.